Hi, and welcome to your curated bitching session of the day. I'm Whitney, happily divorced cat mom. And I'm Tess, happily married human mom, and we've been friends for 25 years. We are former high school drum majors and co-valedictorians. Who didn't peak in high school and have a lot to bitch about. Please share in our righteous indignation. So it sounded like Hello. you said dime, Tess. But I guess you said and I'm anyway. Oh. We've been having connection issues. So maybe that's... We do. It, it took us like 45 minutes to um, both get connected not, and be able to hear each other. It's not a good and, night uh, for podcasting, but we're persevering because that's what we do. Well, after like 35 minutes, we thought we had it fixed. We could both hear each other for a second, and then my power went out. <laughs> for no apparent reason. It is not raining here or anything. Mm. It was sunny today. Anyway, so Tess is much more prepared for tonight than I am. I have well, no it's notes. it's mostly, just... mostly experience that we'll be speaking, not actual research. So, so I'm going to preface this excessively long rant by saying we are not medical doctors. Mm-mm. Or therapists, or counselors, or insurance specialists. Yeah. We are consumers and providers of healthcare, and we have complaints. Wait, I have complaints. I have a lot of them. Well, since, since we are not um, physicians or mental health professionals, uh, you cannot interpret anything that we say about the healthcare system or about your health as a diagnosis. So you cannot sue us. So I, I remember, uh, when, uh, without going into too much detail, but what I did, although most people who listen to us know us when I worked in med school admissions and on the admissions committee, there were, you know, physicians and, uh, reading personal statements and such from people who interviewed. And one time we had to establish that um, the psychiatrist on the committee, she could not call any an, an applicant crazy because that would be interpreted as a diagnosis. Anybody else could be like, oh, yeah, this person's crazy. And, and we didn't take it seriously. But, it, but she, she had to be very careful with saying things like that because she was an actual psychiatrist. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Your crazy means something. My crazy means nothing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, so obviously there are lots of problems with healthcare. Okay. That could be fixed that are not being fixed. I think because they want to push the bigger agenda of, you know, let's give everybody healthcare. Hmm. But more people could have access to healthcare if prices were lower if people mm-hmm. just did things right and didn't charge astronomical amounts for nothing first problem in healthcare bad healthcare workers they're everywhere you have to be careful when see the pro, the here's the problem when you have healthcare workers who do not like the smell of a patient because patients are smelly sometimes that's just life right you deal mm-hmm. with Everybody from all walks of life because it's healthcare and you don't get to choose your patients, right? And you treat them all with dignity and respect because they are human beings. Mm -hmm. You don't spray their foot area with Lysol, air freshener spray. Oh my God. I assume you know know somebody who did this. Yes. uh, Yes. Everything I'm talking about is experienced on, on my end. This person kept their job. You know, there was a... 
period of, you know, desk duty while we review what happened, but they get their job. In what way is that okay? It's not okay. It doesn't matter if you can afford health care or not, or if the government gives it to you or not, if people are treating you like crap. Right. You're not getting yeah, the best care. people talking, uh, like when we were in college, I guess, and people making comments like, oh, you, like, go into nursing, RNs make good money and but i thought i I thought about all the gross things i'm like i do not have the stomach for what they have to deal with right i don't like like i'm not gonna go down that road Mm -mm. yeah no i do not like feet do not bring your no absolutely not but i'm not spraying you with a chemical no like you know what you're getting not okay yes like take step out the room if it's really that horrible i mean i've done that before you just I'll be right back. Just whatever. Take a breath. But they're humans. Stop treating them like they're a chair. I don't know. Uh And, you know, you've got the healthcare workers who don't listen to the patient. And one of my mom's cousins was in the hospital. She is not a diabetic, nor has she ever been a diabetic. And the nurse comes in and she's like, okay. And she's like, well, she's like, it's time for your medicine. She's like, what are you giving me? She's like, it's your insulin. She's like, I don't take insulin. She's like, yes, you do. Arguing with her. And so I'm going, okay, well, let's check. I mean, no, she could have been a, a psych patient. She could have really needed insulin and she could have been crazy and she could have not known what she was talking about. But it's still up to the nurse to check. Like, if right. somebody tells me I don't take insulin, well, you know what? Mm, that's a mistake I don't want to make. So let's double check Mm -hmm. that instead of arguing with the patient. When you work in a clinical environment, and so here's the thing. We're supposed to be part of a healthcare team, right? It's a healthcare team for a reason. Everybody has a role to play. And if that role is not played properly, people die. Right. Okay? That's what happens. People will die when you make mistakes and you don't do your job. It is essential to stay in your lane. I don't need you coming to do my job because I'm certainly Mm -hmm. not coming to do your job. Yeah. I need you to do your job properly so that I can do my job properly. So, for instance, if the note and the chart is from 10 years ago and the plan says x-ray on return... And they show up 10 years later and you bring them to x-ray for their hip. That is not why they're even there. I'm sorry. So what? Why can't you read? Because as soon as I open the chart, I see that that note is from 10 years ago. And maybe, maybe we want to like, you know, fix that and find out why they're really there. It's like people, people don't read. Because remember on Facebook, like every year, um, for a few years, people would share the news story about Andy Griffith dying and like he'd oh, been dead. I, I just don't, it doesn't make any sense to me why that stuff would happen. Mistakes will happen, yes, because we're human and unfortunately we make errors. But mm-hmm. read, read, because you know what people happened? Don't do read. you know? Do you know what I had to do because somebody did not read a chart properly? I had to clean up blood from all over the room because that patient who was not there for their hip by the way they were there for their wrist had a gi bleed and she vomited all over my room <gasps> so you're not doing your job wow. makes my job a heck of a lot harder i mean it really tests, does 
Your students don't read the syllabus. Do you expect people to read the chart? Yes, I do. I expect them to read their chart. <laughs> they have a degree that <laughs> they have a scope of practice that says that's their duty. I mean, maybe that's not true. in those words, but I mean, it's just if you don't like your job, if you don't, I mean, I am not a people person. Okay. Anybody that knows me will let you know I am not a people person. <laughs> I, do, I don't want the chit chat. But when I'm at work and I have those patients, I'm pleasant and mm. I am, I can have a conversation with them and I can make them feel comfortable and I can do my job properly. But if you can't do that, if you just don't like people and you hate life, go home. Stop making everybody else miserable. Stop walking around like Oscar the Grouch calling me eye candy and complaining about every patient what? that you have to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bad healthcare did workers. It, did bad. a doctor call you eye candy? Oh, no, no, no. It was not a doctor. It was an, um, a grumpy old x-ray tech. Uh. Um, uh, anyway, whatever. He was not worth my time of getting angry about it. I was like, that's disgusting. Move on with your life, please. Um, no, I have never had a doctor to be rude or disgusting to me. I lost my train of thought. Oh, bad healthcare workers. Right. So, you know, something else. We, talking about keeping bad healthcare workers, if you can't stay awake on the job, like if you fall asleep with your patients on the exam table, oh. I feel like maybe you should not be there. If you can't chart into the computer without falling well, asleep and having the letter Z go all the way across the screen. I mean, but... but, but go ahead. Sorry. No. I mean, though, nothing happened, thankfully, but what if it was a, an unstable patient that they were working on and they fell asleep? I mean, come on. That's not okay. It's not all right. There are physical requirements to do your job, and I'm pretty sure staying awake is one of them. But but these days, okay. No, Grant, I'm assuming, okay, people, people falling asleep. What job do they have? Um, were they physicians? No, they were not physicians. Okay. They were not physicians. Well... And I'm assuming they were not. Well, I feel like, well, I'm, this person, this person, I believe did have a condition that was not Mm -hmm. treated appropriately medically. It wasn't a, I'm tired and I've worked too long. I've been on this shift too long kind of thing. Um, I think it was an actual medical condition that made it happen. Okay. But, Uh, but that still needs to be addressed. Like we need to get you medicated. You need to go see a doctor. We can't have you falling asleep because of your medical condition. But anyway, bad healthcare workers is going to bring me to my next point, which is a patient's rights. So mm. if somebody is treating you like crap, you don't have to take that. That's yeah. not, I mean, you are paying for that service. Mm-hmm. You are paying for that. You are in charge of it. You have to advocate for yourself. And if you have mm-hmm. to open the door and be like, this chick <laughs> has crossed the line, I'm not talking to her anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You can have a valid reason not to talk to... You cannot talk to them. You can mm-hmm. refuse to have a procedure done. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had parents come in with tiny little kids to have these invasive procedures done on them, and nobody explained to them what was going to happen. Yeah. And then they feel trapped like they have to have it done. You mm-hmm. don't have to have it done. If you feel uncomfortable with it, if you want a second opinion advocate for yourself yeah don't just do it because they said do it because it's not always necessary well and then yeah and then you pay for it like you pay for um, it i was logged in um i was trying to get find my old mammogram results uh not old they're like from a year ago um from 
another hospital. I was trying to find all that and I logged into my patient portal from this other healthcare uh, system in another state. And I look back and I find where I'd gone to this, where I'd had an ER visit. And I, for some reason those, those were the only results it was showing me. And I was like, what are all these tests that they did on me? Like I went in with flu and like all these crazy tests and I had crappy health insurance at the time. I was like, nobody ever told me they were running all these tests. Quit. And who knows? I mean, that was a few years ago. So who knows what I paid for? Cause I, and that, that was the time I went in, like I had flu-like symptoms. It was beginning of flu season and we get to talking Well, the flu test was negative. And then I mentioned, uh, I was like, I'm feeling achy. I was like, especially on my lower back. And that's when it clicked. I was like, oh, I better have a kidney infection. Cause I used to get those a lot. And when I used to get sick all the time, I mentioned that to them. Anyway, they acted like I was crazy, um, dismissed it, and sent me home with cough syrup and pain meds. Nice. A few days later, I was still feeling like crap, and I went to, this is when I was a PhD student, and I went to the student health center, and student health centers, I feel like get a bad rap, but they were better than the ER, this big hospital. I told them what happened. Yeah. They did the urinalysis, and our, I think the, the doctor's words were, yeah, you've got a rip-worn kidney infection. He was like, and I'm prescribing you this dosage of this antibiotic. I was like, yeah, so I did not need cough syrup and pain pills. I need an antibiotic because I had a kidney infection. Like, I told them I thought I did, and they acted like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. But then they ran all these other tests that were completely like unrelated to why I was there. Right. And, um, right. and now looking back, I'm wondering, what did I pay for that ER visit, because it was several years ago, and because mm-hmm. and I had no idea, like and they, anyway. But yeah. I now I realize, like you never know what kind of tests they're going to run on. Yeah, you and you have to ask you, questions, yeah. and I I feel like it's very important because so many people are not mm, they're not educated in healthcare, right? They're not educated mm-hmm. in medicine or what their rights are. Yeah, in healthcare, and so they just go along with whatever the doctor says because. You know, a long time ago, medicine was practiced in an authoritarian type of way. Like, whatever the doctor said, that went. You didn't question the doctor. And then it kind of switched to a paternalistic thing. So it was like, you know, you could maybe have a conversation about it. But still, whatever the doctor said went, kind of like with your dad. Whatever your dad yeah. said kind of went. And and so we, we've kind of, we're shifting more towards or it should be more of a collaborative approach so that you get a holistic, you know, view of your health versus Mm -hmm. just treating symptoms and putting band-aids on things. And patients, I mean, this, this goes the other way too. I mean, you can't have, you can't as a patient, like look up everything on WebMD and then go in and go, no, I think I'm dying. I'm dying. I have all the symptoms on WebMD. Okay. You can't do that. You have to, you have to, there's a gotta be a balance there. Um, Mm -hmm. If there's something you're concerned about, you can have that discussion. The doctor is not the end-all, be-all. You can see another doctor. Mm. You can get a second opinion. So Maybe, um, depending on where you live. Depending on where you live and your ability to get to another physician. Mm. Okay, so Sam was overseas and hurt himself. And they sent him to (sighs) some country. I don't even know where he went. I can't remember. They sent him for an MRI of his pec. They're like, okay, we're doing an MRI of your shoulder. No, that's not why I'm here. Of course, it, there was a language barrier as well. So, uh, shoulder. He's like, nope, pec. 
mm, sh- we'll do shoulder. Did that MRI show any part of what was hurting him? Mm-mm. Nope, it didn't. It didn't. And guess what? He didn't get a treatment that he needed in the proper time. So then he has permanent damage that can't be fixed mm-hmm. or changed because they chose not to listen to him. Anyway, and he and and he was like, well, I didn't know how far I could go and not have it done. And I'm like, you can go all the way. You can be like, absolutely not. I'm not doing it until you do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Call my doctor. Call whoever. Do whatever you not. Whatever you need to do. I'm not doing that until it's right. And you can do that. And people don't know that, but you can do that. This is a public service announcement. You can stand up for yourself, and you can say, nope, don't want that. Not doing that doesn't make any sense. Unless you're under cons- a conservatorship like Britney Spears. Oh, jeez. I was I was I reading mean, no. some of that today, and like she's been forced. To keep an IUD on her body. They will not let her have it removed. Oh, yeah. I um, I heard about that on because somebody was doing a commentary on the Save Britney documentary. I think that's what mm-hmm. it was called. Free Britney. Free Britney. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway. Yes. Crazy. No. Absolutely Like not. that? Like the whole thing. I know we're getting a little off topic here. But that whole thing is just absurd. But when I read that, I was like, that is just such a violation uh, to be forced to keep an IUD in your body. Mm-hmm. And they told her she's not allowed to get pregnant or get married. And they said, like, she talked about how her, I think, her dad or her doctor, she basically accused this whole team of, like, being against her. This team that she's paying for. I saw this one thing that said every attorney in that courtroom today or yesterday, whenever it was, Britney Spears was paying for. But, like, they would pump her. Like, there was one day where I think she stood up to her dad and they gave her a bunch of lithium the next day. And she said it just made her feel drunk. Oh, like, that is just... And I know there's, like, there's a history of this kind of thing happening to people, especially in terms of uh, reproduction and so on and people being forced to do things. But anyway, so, side topic, but... Yes, um, you should speak up for yourself and those things. And then, so, okay, so you were saying, like, okay, patients, you can't just go in and be like, oh, I read all this on WebMD. So I've seen, because I, you know, worked at a med school. Um, so obviously I know lots of physicians. Uh, quite a few people that I went to undergrad with are now uh, physicians. But, and I've seen people post things like, please don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree and I understand that but at the same time I think that the culture of medicine has caused a lot of physicians to lose the empathy that they need to be showing towards patients um so for me as a thyroid patient I've had a lot of frustration over the years um with physicians, even endocrinologists who are supposed to, like, that's supposed to be their area of expertise. Um, But I found endocrinologists I've been to really more focused on diabetes um, than thyroid disease. But uh, I remember a student health center at LSU. I went in and I was like, I I was a grad student. I was like, I can tell my thyroid is off. And my doctor back home had told me where he wanted my levels to be, which was like the optimal range for me. And I went in and they checked my level. Of course, all they checked was TSH. When I went in for my results, the I mean, my skin was so dry, which is all, that's like one of the telltale signs for me. Um, and I went in, like, and I knew I was like dropping at the, like, crying at the drop of a hat, you know. And 
the doctor, I was in the room waiting to see the doctor again. And I looked at the shelf, like her bookshelf, and I saw this ancient, dusty book of endocrinology. And I was like, oh, I'm screwed. Like, I mean, it looked like it was from the 70s. And then she was like, yeah, she's like, no, um, you're actually, you're you're a little overactive for what we want you to be. I was like, there's no way. And she told me what my level was. I was like, my internist back home said he wants it at this level. And she was like, no, that puts you at risk of osteoporosis. No, like she was my, uh, anyway. So I immediately, I, I walked out crying immediately because mm-hmm. I was hypo. Called my doctor back home and I told them what my levels were. And they're like, okay, we're gonna increase your dosage. But yeah, but she didn't listen to me. And then there were, like, when I was having my hip issues, and one doctor who was an orthopedic surgeon, and one of my friends had been to him before too. She didn't tell me this beforehand, but after she was like, yeah, I had a bad experience with him. Um, so he just told me to uh, take Tylenol, ignore the pain. Is what he told me. Ignore the pain. Yeah, ignore there the you pain. Go. Yeah, take Tylenol and ignore the pain. And I told my friend about it, and she'd been to the same doctor. Like she had scoliosis so bad, she had she had to have spinal fusion surgery, and he told her Tylenol and yoga. That was his solution for it. Now, no yoga can help people with a lot of things, but mm-hmm, right. Yeah, but he just did. And then when you know, when I was I saw another physician at that same orthopedic clinic, they ordered what are they? It was a uh, MRI of my hip. The when the radiologist read it, he said, "Okay, this is what I think, but you know, it's hard to see without contrast." Is what he said. Um, so like, yeah, I don't really see that. So because he said, "I think I see a labral tear." And they're like, "No, I don't see that. It's not what it is." So finally, like, I'm referred back and forth to physicians, and I see one, and he was like, and he looks at it, and he was like. Okay, so see the radiologist notes right here? That was his way of trying to tell your doctor before that they needed to order it with contrast. <laughs> right. So that we can actually see what's going on. So mm-hmm. he ordered the right one. What did they call it? A arthrogram? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, they did that. And, oh, yeah, labral tear. That's what it was. They just couldn't really see it because they didn't do contrast. So then he referred me to... A surgeon, he was like, you won't be in better hands with, you know, with anybody um, else. But so it just, it took forever. I saw what, like five, six doctors before I finally got a diagnosis, before somebody did the, ordered the right test. And if they had just like used their reading comprehension skills like this guy did, and I can't remember his name. He, he didn't do surgery or anything because he said, you know, I know somebody better than me mm-hmm. and I'm going to send you to him. Um, but he figured out the test that needed to be done. And a diagnosis, but it took five, six doctors to get to that point. Right. Well, didn't they, at one point, didn't they say you had rheumatoid arthritis or they sent you to a rheumatologist? They, oh gosh. Okay, or something. So the first, so at this one orthopedic clinic, I saw three different doctors. The first one, because my RH level was a little high. So he referred me to a rheumatologist. That rheumatologist was great. And I ended up kind of using him as my PCP. Um, and I'll say this, like, in the, in the U.S., um, people who go to Caribbean med schools, they're, they're viewed as the people they just couldn't get into U.S. med schools. And that, a lot of times that is why they went to a Caribbean med school. Mm-hmm. This guy went to Caribbean med school, then did his uh, residency and fellowship at University of Tennessee. Dude was so smart, and he listened to me. Like, 
he would, he didn't rush me. He spent like 45 minutes talking to me face to face. He had me keep a pain journal for three weeks. He sat down and read through the whole thing. Fortunately, I had really good health insurance then. He did so many tests, but he told me what he was testing for. Like I saw it all. He was very upfront with me, talked to me. Like the way he, he talked to me as if I were as smart and knowledgeable as he was. Like I know I wasn't, but he talked to me like I was an equal and didn't talk down to me. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be lucky if I ever find a doctor like that again here, but. Right, and that's really sad because that's how it should be. Not everybody's on the same intelligence level and that's mm -hmm. fine, but you have to meet them at their level. You have to help mm -hmm. them under, because if you don't have their cooperation, then your outcomes are not going to be good. Right. You have to be able to communicate, yeah. get their cooperation and their trust so that they will listen to you and follow the protocol. I mean, right. like, so my, yeah. my grandfather, towards the end of his life, not one single doctor could help him understand. Now, granted, he was stubborn. Like, he wouldn't yeah. do anything he wanted to do anyway. <laughs> but there wasn't one doctor who could help him understand or even figure out how to medicate him so that this medicine didn't have to be given to counteract the pains from this medicine and this medicine mm -hmm. because he was fine there wasn't anything you know terminally wrong with him he just had conditions that needed to be treated and yeah. they weren't being treated properly and he got sick of taking the medicine he's like yep yeah, i'm done just not taking any of them well, yeah. if you don't take the things to control the problems, the minor problems, then you have a big problem. And that's what happened. He couldn't find yeah. a doctor to listen to him. I mean, it was a sad situation in the fact that it could have it could have been dealt with differently, mm -hmm. leading to a longer yeah. life. But well, nobody uh, wanted to communicate properly. Well, and that's what, I mean, health communication research shows that, that when providers take a more like whole person approach, considering all the factors in a patient's life, then the patient, like they're going to have, they're more likely to have better patient outcomes. Right. And that's one reason that I was so excited to move to a bigger city where there were actually more osteopathic physicians around um, because they're trained. So for anybody who doesn't know, so there are two types of physicians in the U.S., MDs and DOs. Everybody's familiar with an MD. A DO, they get the, basically the same training in med school. They, and so they, and they both have to go to four years of med school and then do residency. And then some of those will go on. So like a rheumatologist, they do a residency in internal medicine, and then they do a fellowship in rheumatology. They have the same training, but the thing is they have part of the osteopathic philosophy is, you know, considering all the factors in a patient's life, also the uh, relationship between structure and function in the body. The structure's not right, function's not right, vice versa. Um, so part of that is more emphasis on the musculoskeletal system where they learn osteopathic manipulative medicine. So I, and I've had that done before, and some people will liken it to chiropractic, um, which is an understandable comparison, but it's not the same. Anyway, but I've had OMM done on my back. I was back pain I've been dealing with for like six months and I just ignored it. And somebody was like, hey, why don't you have one of these DOs work on it? Got, got up off that table, pain was gone. Like, and he told me, he's like, you're probably gonna need a few more treatments for it to be gone consistently. And I didn't follow up on that. So it came back some, but it was way better after that. But mm -hmm. anyway, but that that's one reason that I was excited about moving to a big city because I was like, oh, there are DOs around here. Now, granted, once they start practicing, it depends on what specialty they go into. Because if a DO goes into 
orthopedic surgery or, you know, neurosurgery, whatever, like what they do in the day-to-day job is going to be the same as what an MD <laughs> does, you right, know? Right. Um, or it depends on what kind of practice they're in. Um, because with some, like if it fits a place where it's like, it, uh, it depends on like how their billing is set up and this might not be exactly the same, but for example, I, I remember talking to this girl who was an RN and she worked at, um, a for-profit hospital. And so she talked about how they would get people in and out for procedures like so quickly because the more people they got in, <laughs> the more money they could make. So, and that's a big complaint that people have about how long they actually spend with the doctor. Mm-hmm. But like the DO that I saw in another state, she would, the first time I was there, she was annoyed because it was my first appointment and they did not they only scheduled me for 45 minutes with her. I was like, really? Like, I, I was used to not getting more than 10 minutes, you know, with right. the doctor. And we spent 40, she's like, no, I want a solid hour when you're a new patient. Thorough history of all my medical issues. What do you eat? What do you not eat? And then, and then that rheumatologist, he was an MD, but he was so thorough with me. So it all depends on the specialty too. Anyway, all that to say, anybody who's listening, if you're looking for a physician who takes a whole person approach to care, check out a DO mm-hmm. um, and see if you can find one. Or then, like, in some MDs to practice, like, functional and integrative medicine. On that note, so one of the things I, that annoys me about healthcare in this country, which falls more on the patient side, um, because I said my DO asked me, like, about what I ate and things like that. You can't expect to be healthy by just like by not taking care of yourself and just going to the doctor for and you mentioned this like band-aid fixes on things Mm -hmm. and just being like like, you you can't pop pills like you know a pez dispenser and expect like that's not health no no you're just putting band-aids on the problems like you know and there's no shame in like in needing prescriptions like i need my thyroid medicine do what you can it's in your power to be healthy right. and protect right. your immune system. And then don't get mad when you eat processed crap all the time and don't exercise at all. And you have all these problems and then your doctor can't fix all of it with pills. Well, and that's another problem is that they never get to the core of the issue because they have so many. Mm-hmm. They, they never, they're just six minutes in the room, if you're lucky. And uh, your blood pressure is a little high. So here's some pills. Um, See you later. Now, they're supposed to be, you know, providing patient education. Like if you ever, you know, go to urgent care or anywhere, Mm -hmm. really, I notice it more in urgent care, I guess, for some reason. But you have to give the patient education. So you're supposed to, what do they do? They just mark that they educated them and then they give them the printout. People don't read. I feel like we've established that a lot of times <laughs> on the show already. People don't read. Now, are you going to give them proper education in six minutes? Nope, you're not. And you're also not taking a holistic approach to what their problem is. And, you know, that's demonstrated in the... So the whole push, when the pandemic first started, they wanted everybody to get tested. Get tested, get tested, get tested, get tested. For What was their incentive to get people to come out and get tested? Oh, well, McDonald's. if you come get tested, we'll give you a McDonald's coupon for uh-huh. free Big Mac or whatever. Yeah. Okay, you just told me that one of the major factors in you dying from this illness is obesity. But please, give me another Big Mac. 
You yeah, can't run healthcare that way. It doesn't no. work. That's no. why people keep dying. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get back to this in a second, but I just have to point out when you said holistic a minute ago, it sounded like you said hostic. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just choked on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting in a very squeaky chair, so it's going to sound like a ghost is like rocking in an attic oh, or something. Anyway. That was squeaky. Um, uh, yes. So, but also like incentives to get the vaccine too. I mean, they, what was Washington State's like, hey, come get the vaccine and we'll give you a joint. Okay. That's healthier than a big Mac. I mean, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. There's no, (laughs) I mean, you're fine. It's definitely healthier than a Big Mac. But I mean, how are you (sighs) promoting? I don't know. I just don't understand why we have to hand out Big Mac coupons come to get people to come get tested for an illness that is exacerbated by excess weight. I mean, well, and just like it okay. makes no sense. Uh, the problem with healthcare in multiple ways in this country is and not, not the whole not the entire problem. Okay, so a minute ago you said you can't get to the root of the problem because you spend hardly any time with them take their blood pressure and be like, "Oh, you got to do this." It, healthcare is such a mess in this country. I don't, it would, oh gosh. Like, I don't, we're never, I don't feel like we're ever going to get to the root of the problem. And Mm-mm. also, again, and, and Band-Aid approaches with both individuals' health and then the healthcare system. Like, oh, let's get people to get tested. Let's throw a Big Mac at them. Let's, oh, you bring in your vaccination card and you're going to get a free shot. You're going to get a free freaking Krispy Kreme donut for getting your COVID vaccine. That, that yes. is, and is that in Louisiana where they're doing that? I know I've seen it on Facebook where somebody told, somebody posted that they were gonna go in like every day with their vaccination card to get a free Krispy Kreme donut. Like, I don't know if that was, I know the Big Mac remember. was definitely in Louisiana. Yeah. But oh yeah, cause I that was like know. at the PMAC. Also who eats Big Macs? That's disgusting. I don't know that I've well, ever eaten Don't Big eat Mac Big Macs, life. guys. Don't do that. And I... I mean, Thousand Island dressing? Blech. Now I can't... Now I wouldn't eat... Like, if somebody were to give, offer me a gluten-free donut, I would eat that. But back when I still ate <laughs> gluten... And granted, granted, there's sugar in it, so it's not it's not healthy. Uh, it's a crap ton of sugar. But back when I ate gluten, like, if I had a donut... There, it triggered something in me. I, if I had one, I had at least three. I would have five or six if I, you know, if I weren't going to be considered a jerk by whoever I was sharing the donuts with. And then I'd be falling asleep at my desk twenty minutes later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, band-aid approach is like offering people this crap, uh, or yeah, get a free shot for getting your shot, get a free Krispy Kreme donut. You know, Big Mac. So, so and trying to incentivize people that way, and it's just so surface level thinking and like short term thinking. Also, with uh, it's slightly different, but in terms of not getting to the root of the problem and thinking like long term, how is this gonna work? The one way that people justify starting new med schools or increasing class sizes significantly is to talk about the looming physician shortage we're going to have, which is true. The numbers show we are going to have a lack of physicians, especially primary care physicians. And so like, oh, we'll just create more med school seats. 
that is short-sighted because these physicians to practice in the US still have to do residency after they finish. And last time I checked, maybe things have changed in the past several months, but last time I checked, we were not also increasing the number of residency spots. Um, so mm-hmm. now, now granted, I do believe there is technically like a each year, usually like a surplus of, to some extent, of residency spots that, do, that go unmatched. But the thing is, just because those go unmatched doesn't mean that the people who didn't match are a good fit for that. Because like right. if you if you graduated at the bottom of your class and you have crappy board scores, well, you're not going to be a fit for an ophthalmology or uh, ear, nose, and throat residency because those are two very competitive specialties. So right. anyway, I, I, I think they, here's another issue. It's not that easy just to create new residency spots because most of them are government funded. And like we... We can't just throw taxpayer money at everything. Um, so, despite just, what they tell you, it's just doesn't work. Uh, I mean, we're, you're labeling the episode explicit anyway. It's just it is a shit show, and like yes. every every corner of healthcare is a little bit of a shit show, and it all adds up to a giant one. Um, right, and, and you know, I think the, one of the biggest things that. And and it may not be the biggest issue, but the biggest issue I see people mention and talk about, like in, you know, in politics when they're running their platforms, you know, healthcare for everyone. Healthcare is a right. It's not something you earn. Blah 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 blah. Okay, fine. Healthcare for everyone, but you do realize that's not the main issue. Like there are so many over overcharging for things, not charging. adequately the diagnosis codes i mean you would be (laughs) surprised at what is inaccurately you know Mm -hmm. recorded and billed if not caught properly uh radiologist not reading the images properly which delays proper treatment Mm -hmm. i can't tell you how many times i've seen x-rays and the bone is very obviously broken even though that's not inside my scope of practice to say that it is Right. But the report says it's not broken. And then you go see a specialist because your hand still hurts a week later, even though you were told, you know, take Tylenol and ignore the pain. And, oh, guess what? It's been broken since yeah. you first went in. And, you know, and then insurance. Okay. Well, before I get to insurance, the whole CYA medicine. Okay. Cover your ass medicine. Oh, see what? Okay. people are so... Yeah. We're in such a litigious society mm-hmm. and people are so... They didn't do this, I'm going to assume. Or they missed this, and I'm going to assume. And in some instances, yes, you have to be held responsible and accountable for your mistakes. And if you did something that was detrimental to a patient's health or their life, then absolutely. Physicians, healthcare providers, they're so afraid. They're not not afraid, but just to avoid the whole issue, they're like, Mm -hmm. well, we'll just order everything. Right? Yeah. Maybe it's not necessary. And that's how like, you end up with an ER bill could, with like 18 lab things and you were only aware of right? two. <laughs> and maybe practice some, I don't know, clinical skills to diagnose. So I was, I was watching, um, I was watching a x-ray procedure one day and the radiologist was there watching it and it was an upper GI on an infant, mm. which is 
That sounds awful. The imaging of them, they were looking for reflux. Okay. They were looking for GERD. Now, I assure you that there is no way you would have to tell me my kid's life depended on it for me to torture him that way. I'm not doing it. Okay. And because I don't think it's necessary. Like, is your kid vomiting after every meal? Mm -hmm. Guess what? They probably have reflux. I mean, that's just how it is. And the radiologist was like, they're only the absolute only thing that an upper GI will do is to confirm that all of the organs are there on the right side and actually working. That's all it does. Mm -hmm. Reflux is a clinical diagnosis. It's not something that is diagnosed. It I can see it, but it's not something that you need an upper GI to diagnose. Yeah. But do you know how many of those I see today? Like, a ton. Like, why can't, why don't they just, because apparently they're taught these clinical skills, right? Mm -hmm. Why are they ordering exams that some doctors feel aren't even necessary to make the diagnosis? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, does that make sense? Like, I'm not saying no upper GI is ever necessary. I mean, obviously, that's not true. We wouldn't have the exam if it wasn't ever necessary. So many things are ordered. And then part of that problem, part of that excess ordering, which is excess cost to the patient, Mm -hmm. is insurance. Because if you go in with knee pain, so like if you go in and you're an athlete and you have an ACL tear or an MCL tear, Insurance won't pay for the MRI that you need to determine whether or not it's torn unless you have an x-ray. Well, guess what? I can't see on x-ray. ACLs and ACLs. (laughs) So it's just, it's excessive. And also, who is at this insurance company determining what I can and cannot do? Yeah. Like, who are you? This makes no sense to me because, so for instance... So for the military insurance, right? And they want you to see your physician within so many miles of a military base. Why is my health care based on mileage to a military base? Please explain that to me again. When I live in a city, you want me to drive an hour to Podunk, USA? Mm -mm. Nope. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Like, I live five minutes from, like, 50,000 doctors. Not driving to a village. For health care service. So next person, please. Yeah. And I mean, you might be on the phone for four hours, but guess what? You get what mm-hmm. you want. Yeah. I didn't have to drive to Podunk, USA. I mean, they, and so, you know, they have to, you have to have all these exams pre-approved. You need pre-authorization. Well, shouldn't the doctor be authorization enough? Who right. is at the insurance company yeah. determining whether or not you get to have this authorized? Yeah. Like, what are you looking for exactly? Um, I mean, and then that's all. That's a favorite excuse of everything. Well, we're waiting on the pre-authorization from your doctor. So it's never our fault that it's not done mm-hmm. when you know the doctor sent it in. But also, right. who were you to pre-authorize this? Well, and I know they do have, like, I think physicians at these health insurance companies to look at this stuff. But the thing is, like, okay, a physician... Um, I mean, and nurse practitioners, physician assistants, they they go through training too, and they have to, to some extent, work. You know, on, uh, I think I think NPs have a little more autonomy than PAs in terms of having to be working alongside a physician. But like, uh, it, I think that's changed. It depends on. Is the it state changing? Brand. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, but but a doctor like. 
they go through so much training. Like they shouldn't have to, it shouldn't have to depend on, oh, what your insurance is going to pay for and what they approve if they think this is best. But like I, okay, so I'm going for mammogram tomorrow. Um, and so, you know, last year I had a screening mammogram and then a diagnostic mammogram and then a biopsy all within like three weeks. Um, this was early pandemic. Um, so, and they said, oh, and then I had to have another follow-up diagnostic mammogram like six months later. Well, that was all clear. So they said, okay, you can just go back to doing screening mammograms yearly from this point. So, um, you know, but I'm in a different state now. Well, so I went to, went for like my well woman checkup and I saw uh, a PA and she said, we we're talking about the mammogram thing. She's like, well, given like the history, your family history, she said, um, I'm going to order, go ahead and order a diagnostic mammogram. She said, because if you have a screening one and they say, oh, we want to do another diagnostic. She said, I don't want you having to go through so much extra radiation. So I'm just going to skip straight to diagnostic. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, that makes sense to me. I understood her reasoning for it. But then when they called me from the imaging place, they said, okay, well, with your insurance, um, if, if you do a screening one, they'll pay for that 100%. Diagnostic, they won't. So I'd have to get the screening one first and then diagnostic. So the, my insurance and what they'll approve and pay for changed what, you know, it changed what I'm actually getting done from what the PA wanted done. Right, right. Um, so now you're paying for that twice. And yeah, so I mean, hopefully, because I'm having so I'm having the screening one done tomorrow. Hopefully, I do not have to go in for diagnostic. Um, but I mean, if, if I do, it's gonna be like, okay, PA was right, insurance can suck it. But <laughs> well, and it's all so different and so confusing. And so I would say, please be aware of your insurance. Like what, if you mm -hmm. don't understand your insurance, get someone to explain it to you. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a doctor and they're like, okay, it'll be like $200 today. And I'm like, uh, or 20 because I have a copay. And because yeah. not everybody sitting behind that counter knows everything about the mm -hmm. insurance and it, they could have called the wrong person. Or, um, for instance, when my little boy just had his tubes in April, um, they're like, well, your your pre-op amount that you'll owe before surgery is like $478. And I was like, hmm, that seems not right. Uh, turns out I didn't have to pay anything. But do you know what happened? The phone was down for these pre-authorization things. So they just based it off of what it usually is for other people with that insurance. Oh, my name. God. So you have to know your insurance because... Turns out I didn't know anything and they wanted me to pay $478. I'm like, um, I can pay that. I'm, I'm fine with that if yeah. I if I actually owe it, but I'm sure that I don't owe it. So you have to know your insurance. Again, you have to advocate for yourself. And it's okay to tell them. I mean, don't have to be a jerk about it, but just mm -hmm. um, know this is what I am supposed to pay. And if there's a discrepancy, you can just sit there and get on the phone with the insurance people yourself. I mean, you you can do that. I mean, they might not let you leave unless you pay, but you yeah. can still get on the phone. You know, you you have to know your insurance. You have to know what it covers. Um, you have to know, you know, when does your deductible start 
over? When what's mm-hmm. your copay? Do you have a copay or do you have a co-share? Those are not the same things. So you ha- you have to know the ins and outs of your insurance because nobody else is, and yeah, it's going to save you money in the long run. And it, and you know if you know what has to be pre-authorized and you know, who's in network and who's out of network, that's going to mm-hmm. save you so much hassle. If they would just provide some education on insurance, that would save a ton of money mm-hmm. for, for patients. But, yeah. Uh, I know that, like, so Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, they have a thing where you can go in, um, like, based on your policy, like, you log in and you can compare providers in the area and it'll show you what your out-of-pocket cost po- out-of-pocket cost is going to be for like a yearly physical and stuff like that now granted when i went um the amount that i owed was a lot more than i realized and i should have spoken up and asked something because what it was was all the labs they ordered i was just there all i wanted was my thyroid checked but i guess they i guess i scheduled it as like a yearly physical so they did Mm. oh god like 20 something different tests and um right so i was like okay guess that's that's what i was paying for uh fortunately liver's still working so your liver still working is that what you said yeah uh <laughs> i mean they, they tested everything uh like the only thing that was well I, so my thyroid way off i gotta go get back go back and get that checked again but um and there was one other thing some level i don't even know what the words meant i don't know Okay, I'm going to share this experience real quick, and then I'm going to take a break because we've been sitting here for two hours, um, and my tequila glass and my water glass are empty, and I got to pee. So years ago, uh, when I was a PhD student, I was having all these health issues, and they thought I had MS. Um, The testing protocol for MS is, it's so frustrating because it it can involve so many different things. what did I have? I know I had like a two and a half hour MRI and it lasted longer than it should have because the last, like I started crying in the tunnel cause I got to the point I'd been in there two hours, you know, and I started crying and shaking. And so they had to redo part of it. And, um, so <sighs> there was that. And then, um, but the part that was frustrating. So one things that they check, um, and I can't remember exactly what it is they're looking for, but they'll send you to an ophthalmologist um, to look for evidence of something. I can't remember what, what it is they're looking for, but it's not just a regular vision test. I was at the mm-hmm. ophthalmologist's office for so long. Well, I had the crappy student health insurance because I was a PhD student and it didn't cover vision, but I was like, well, I, and I knew that, but I was like, but this is different. Um, I'm going to an ophthalmologist who is a physician, and I was referred by my neurologist as a part of this MS stuff. Well, the other thing is, though, that I didn't quite, I guess, wrap my mind around, was um, my insurance didn't cover anything that was coded as, like, diagnostic testing. I was like, you're not going to cover stuff that's going to get to the root of what's going on? That doesn't anyway, so they didn't cover any of my ophthalmology appointment. Um, and I called and I was like, look, I was like, I wasn't there just a vision test. Like my neurologist referred me there Mm -hmm. and they still wouldn't cover it. Now, granted, the the total bill looking back wasn't that bad. It was like $380, but for a PhD student 
who right. is that's making still, like money. I think my stipend was something like twenty four thousand a year, um, mm-hmm. which is a decent. It was a decent stipend at the time for a PhD student, you know. Um, but yeah, that was that was tough, and, uh, mm-hmm. and they didn't cover it. Yeah. And but it was what my doctor ordered because this is a necessary step in figuring out if you have MS or not. And, right. Uh, all right. Oh, but that doctor. Uh, talking about treating patients with respect. Now, she treated me with respect, but it was because I was skinny at the time, I think. Because, <gasps> no, I remember her, we were going through my history, and I mentioned I had my gallbladder out. She's like, why? You're not fat. Those were her words. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 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 So. I wasn't aware that being fat was the reason people have their gallbladder taken out. Oh, she I'm also not saying it's me. not, but I feel like there are other things that can happen. It's right. not the end-all, be-all reason that people get their gallbladder yeah. taken out. Oh, the gallbladder thing was one thing that I did properly diagnose myself with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember you used to yeah. always be on the internet diagnosing yourself. And I, uh, and I went to, it was that rheumatologist guy, and, uh, and I got there, I told him my symptoms. I was like, I think it's my gallbladder. He's like, I think you're right. And, uh... Did ultrasound. He's like, "Yep, it's your gallbladder." Um, but it was that oh, that same neurologist. So she did not go to med school in the states, um, but she she told me basically she told me she never. And I, I do know med students who successfully do this. Granted, they have thing called where, where they can watch the lectures online. You know, now mm-hmm. they didn't have that when she was in school. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have videos when she was in med school. She told me she never went to class. She just read the book. So she must have missed the part where they taught anything about clinical skills and bedside manner. Because, um, like, I'm sorry, next doctor? Not seeing yeah. you anymore. But neurologists are so hard to find. She was the only one the Student Health Center could find to refer me to that was, you know, that could see me within A six months. A neurologist who just read the book. Nice. Yeah, she just read the book. Um, her specialty was injecting people with Botox to help with migraines. And oh, wow. it got to the point where my, with my appointments, basically she would ask me, how are your moods? Have you lost any control of your bladder or bowels? <gasps> so basically, are you crying? Or are you pooping yourself? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, well. So I'm when one of my friends. her anymore. Yeah, one of my friends in that city, she needed a neurologist really bad. And um, I told her, I was like, well, just stay away from this one. That's all I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, if guys, I realize there are some places that don't have, I mean, like our hometown. I'm pretty sure they don't have an endocrinologist and they need one. People Uh, come. When we were growing up, I had like one and I heard bad things about him. But that's why I I, we went all the way to Houston for me to see my sister's endocrinologist when I got diagnosed with my thyroid disease. Yeah, I mean, it's just... So, yes, they're in rural... I mean, not that it's rural, but I feel like it's rural. But, I mean, in smaller places, you might not have access to all of the doctors that you need. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you need to settle on what you have. I mean, you deserve better. You deserve to be healthy, and you're paying for it. Right. And it's not that... People who don't have health insurance don't deserve to be healthy, but you you don't have to settle for 
crap treatment and yeah. garbage health care. Don't be a garbage human practicing garbage health care. Don't. If you don't like people, if you don't, if, if people just make you so mad that you can't be nice to them for five seconds mm-hmm. or three days, if you know you're on the floor yeah. with them and you're watching them for a week or however long they're there, if you can't be nice to them, then go home because, okay, yes, that's the 15th time you've seen that condition that day. You know, maybe, you know, you know that they're going to be fine, but maybe it's the first time they've ever experienced right? it. They're yeah. scared. They've never had this experience before. They don't know. Mm-hmm. You have to have some compassion for them. And if you've gotten to the point in your career where you can't do that, please go do something else. Yeah. Because not only are you mean to the patients, but you make everybody else miserable too because like, ugh, now I have to work with this person and... They hate themselves, and they hate their patients, and they hate their life, and all that negativity rubs up, rubs off on the next person. So, mm-hmm. yeah, stop being garbage healthcare people. Don't fall asleep on your patients. Don't spray them with Lysol. Um, don't be rude to them. Now mm-hmm. we'll take a break, and then I'll get back to this next topic of patience. And I have something to say about empathy and my thoughts on that. Okay. Okay. Take a break. Are we back now? Yes, we're back. And we're back. Okay, so I had some thoughts on, you're talking about like in our hometown or like in areas where there's not many doctor choices. Um, And um, for example, the place where I was talking about with the neurologist, it was definitely not, it it was a city, but there was a shortage of neurologists anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But, okay, so... If you are the only physician and most likely, you know, primary care physician in a rural area, small town, medically underserved, empathy is very important, you know, like treating people with respect and, um, and so on, because they're not going to have other options. Now, some people would take that and like have an attitude like, oh, well, they have to come to me. I'm the only doctor. Because the neurologist yeah. in my former city, that was a reputation they had. Like the doctor student health center, I remember her t- saying, yeah, there's not enough neurologists around here. And they know it and they kind of have an attitude about it. Um, but I, I think there, there's two things. And I'm this is just me kind of speculating. just based on my experience as an observation. Um, and I know that there are wonderful doctors in these medically underserved areas. Right. Um, I think when you end up having like, like in our hometown where, for example, there was one endocrinologist and people were like, yeah, don't go to them. So I, fortunately my family was able to drive me five hours to go to one, but right. Not everybody has that option. And I think how you end up with these, uh, with issues like that. And I don't even know how widespread they are. But um, I, I think some people do genuinely like, go into like going into med school saying, oh, I want to work in a medically underserved area. Like I'm from a rural area um, or I'm from an urban area where people just can't afford it. I want to serve areas like that. And they go into it with such good intentions and then they end up in a toxic culture with their medical education with med school and residency and they just get so burnt out on it um 
Because yes, I've seen uh, yeah, a couple of physicians I know posting about this on social media, like sharing opinion pieces about how um, like people who felt like they were bullied in residency and like there's this attitude like this, this like old school of education, then be like, oh, we were put through hell to get our medical training. So you have to go through it too, just because that's what we went through. Um, right. And then, and I don't know what changes have been made now. Um, Cause it, I know before like medical residents could work up to 28 hours in one shift. And there was some talk about shortening that to 16 hours, which to most people sounds like still crazy long shift. And well, the argument right, but you have to, because the number one problem in healthcare is the medical is the, is the, well, medical uh, errors. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so the argument that, you know, the common argument for allowing them to work 28 hour shifts was continuity of care. And like when you're handing them over to another physician and so on. But I remember, and again, this is, this is anecdotal, but still I think it's very important to pay attention to. Uh, I'm reading articles where they interviewed uh, doctors uh, who I remember one who said, she was leaving at the end of a crazy long shift and she like dozed off, like just backing her car out of the parking spot and hit like a concrete barrier because she couldn't stay awake to back out of her parking spot. And then people fatigued making mistakes because of the fatigue. Like you're going to get burnout. I cannot imagine the grit that I, oh, and just the mental strength that you have to have to make it through, to make it through med school alone, but then residency. And again, I guess some specialties might be a little more harsh than others, but they just, so you have these people who start out with these good intentions and hell, by the time they get to their end of the first semester of their second year of med school, they're burnout. And because also there's so much focus on preparing for boards. So there's so much pressure on that. And so they just, they get burnt out on it. And then you have the people who they know because, so a lot of uh, med schools, especially osteopathic medical schools are in rural areas and they will have a mission that is focused on primary care and serving medically underserved communities. Um, and people know that. And like, and I, I advise people like when, I'm, when they ask me for advice on things, I'm like, look at the mission of each med school you're applying to. And, but I would stress, like, make sure you actually fit the mission, that it's a good fit for you. So then be able to explain how you fit that mission to the admissions committee. Cause that's going to be part of the admissions process. Mm-hmm. But some people it's just total BS and like, and they're oh, all absolutely. like, I want to help people and I like I wanna- science <laughs> And I'm from a rural area, and I want people to have access to health care. And it can be hard to distinguish between the ones who are genuine and the ones who are it's just total fluff. Um, right. And I remember people on the admissions committee being like, oh, this person's from a big city. How can they actually be under, interested in underserved communities? I'm like, but there's nothing. Like, we don't know that. They're qualified, right. and I, I'm not going to assume that just because they're from a big city that they don't care about underserved communities. Um, right. So it, it, it's hard um, to determine when somebody has genuine, pure intentions for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but some of them they just they just want to be a doctor, and they need to get into med school to do that. And if they're not a competitive applicant they're going to change something about their application for each med school to get in somewhere. 
and they might not care about medically underserved populations. They just want to be a doctor. And then you might, they might end up in a rural area and that's not what they really want to do. So, um, anyway, so those are just my thoughts on how you might sometimes end up with these doctors who don't, um, show enough patient concern. And, and a lot, I think in the former situation, we can't put all the blame on them because it's the culture in which they were educated. Like it, Mm -hmm. there's so many issues with it, but and it's not just like they can do their research on the med school and a lot of them will have choices about, you know, where they go to med school. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that. But the thing is, a lot of times you're only spending your first two years at that med school. That's where you have a choice. Then mm-hmm. in clinicals, you don't with some schools, unless they have a teaching hospital, you don't know where you're going to be for your clinical rotation years. And then with residency, I mean, that's right. Uh, you have I mean, obviously you choose where you apply, but then it depends on where you get an interview and that's really competitive. And, um, so the residency right. program you go into that you might end up stuck with, um, might not be the best environment. So mm-hmm. anyway, those are my thoughts on that. So, right. Well, I mean, you, if you can't, if you're burnt out, then you need to figure out ways to decrease the burnout. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And or take a break. I don't. I don't know. But you can't keep working burnout. I tell. <laughs> I tell people all the time. I used to be nice, and then I worked in yeah. healthcare. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, I was. Yeah. I was nice, and I was not very outspoken, and I didn't mm-hmm. rant about things. And I feel like. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I've always been this way. But I feel like I was a nicer person. Yeah. Before I worked in healthcare, and then you just work with somebody who is um, not the ideal healthcare worker. So you pick up that mm-hmm. attitude, and then you know sometimes you just get tired of repeating yourself all day long. Like for instance, your left from your right. If I say turn to the left, I mean your left. So I got sick of saying teaching people their left from their right. So face me. Nope. That's still not me. Face me. <laughs> Take your pants off. You can leave your underwear on. Oh, well. <laughs> or just take it all off. Yeah, sure. I'd love, I'd love to see that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you can take your shoes off, but you can leave your socks on. Oh, well, I'll just take it off so it'll be easier for you. Well, it would be easier if you didn't make me touch your feet. But that's cool. Do what you want. Like it's can the X-ray see through my sock? Yes, can the X-ray see through my sock? Turns out, (laughs) I mean, it can see through your skin and your fat and your muscle and your bone, but that sock just too much. That's just the stopping point. They just took their underwear off so you could get a better hip X-ray test. Oh, let me tell you about some people. Some pay okay. So yes, you have rights as patients, but you know what? I have a I have a right as human being too. I'm gonna take care of you, but I don't want to see your dangly parts. Okay, I don't. <laughs> it's not impressive. And when you say things like, "Oh, I've never had a woman tell me to put my pants down twice in one day," I that's not appropriate. I just need to do my job. And also, I'm not surprised you haven't had a woman tell you to put your pants down twice in one day. Because, ew! 
I mean, I just don't understand. You want you're I get that you're in pain and maybe you're scared, but guess who you don't get to cuss out today? It's not going to be me cuz I'm not listening to it. I'm not going to cuss you out and I'm going to respect you and treat you like a human and you're going to do the same to me. And if you're going to have a problem with that, then we can just we can stop. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be talked to you that way. And then there are some patients where you <laughs> They're horrible patients, but they're not mentally all, I mean, they might have Alzheimer's or some type of dementia or something. And so in those instances, obviously they don't know what they're talking about and you just have to, you know, roll with it. But look, don't be a dirty old man. Okay. Don't do it. I've had several, I don't know, several patients who were just, they were just being pervy and that's not okay. Healthcare, you don't come and pick me up. That's not, we're not going out on dates. You're not impressing me. Just stop. Just do what we need you to do and stop being gross. And also, the sign when you come into x ray, if you may be pregnant, please notify the technologist. It's not funny if you're a man and you say, I think I might be pregnant. It's not funny. That's just a little public service announcement well it's like I mean, probably kind of how retail workers feel when there's not a price tag on something and we're just like <laughs> it must be free right well just don't just don't do it don't do it and also to all patients not just males all patients if you know that you are going to the doctor now if it's an emergency situation i understand you end up there in a stretcher you know, in an ambulance there, that's that's one thing. But if this is a planned outing to the physician's office or the hospital or wherever, for the love of God, wear underwear. <laughs> I mean, you know you're going in public to a place where people may have to have you take off some piece of clothing. Wear underwear. Okay? Just please, just please do it. You're so uptight, Tess. Yeah, I know. I mean, just... But, I mean, but really, just don't be a jerk patient. You can be in pain. You can be scared. And we're going to do our best to take care of you and alleviate that and make you feel comfortable. But also, you can't talk to us like garbage. You can't be mean to us because... We're burned out, too. We're tired. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we understand that you're scared and in pain, but we can help you a lot better if you just try to cooperate. Mm -hmm. Basically, their Band-Aid approaches don't work when it comes to individual's health or the healthcare system. And to make the world a better place, whether you are uh, a patient, a provider, some other healthcare worker... Um, or insurance company, rule number one, don't be a dick. Um, let's add a rule. Exercise some personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I guess we just have two rules now. I felt like I had another one earlier, but I forgot what it was. Mm. Um, I had one that was going to be like a bullet point or like a 2A. Two, two yeah. Right. 2A is that. I'm trying to think. I was thinking earlier about when I suggested this topic, and I'm pretty sure I was very angry about something in healthcare when I suggested it. But it was so long ago, I can't remember what yeah. I was going to actually rant about. 
I don't remember what it was, but yes. Mm. Bad okay. healthcare workers. If you're one of them, go home. Do something else. Be a Walmart greeter. I don't know what to tell you. Probably not that either because you're probably not a friendly person. And stand up for yourself. Advocate for yourself, for your family members. Also, do not spend the night alone in the hospital. Don't do it. Have somebody there with you who will take care of you. Don't stay in the hospital by yourself. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Listen to way too much true crime crap. Don't sit in the hospital oh, by yourself. Okay, that's where that was coming from. <sighs> yeah. And, mm. I mean, if they are offering you, if you are being offered incentives to get some sort of health treatment and or testing done that is in direct contradiction <laughs> of the things that exacerbate the disease, please question that. Question, question everything. <gasps> that's question one number three. Everything. Question everything. So don't question be a everything. dick. Exercise personal responsibility. Question everything. Those are the rules. Yes. Those yeah. are the rules. And can someone please explain to me why insurance people get to pre-approve what I do and where I go and why I do it and... Yeah, if somebody can explain that, that'd be great because I would love to know. Well, you know, why. my good friend, the insurance company has so much control over right. what I do. Well, so I, I was so I was texting one of my good friends who is an RN but works for health insurance company now, and I was complaining to her about some medical bills, and she said, "Well, she's like, I don't understand." exactly how medical billing works she said but what i do understand is that it is designed to screw you over (laughs) well it is i mean you get a bill from the radiologist and you get a bill from the pathologist and you get a bill from the person who saw you and maybe the person who didn't see you but he talked to the person who saw you and then you get a bill i mean for the lab and then you get a bill for the x-ray and then can you just get together and put it all in one bill just put it in one bill because I get really tired of opening the bills. Mm-hmm. I think you're saying, done, and then right, oh. and then, I will oh, have a, a bill for four dollars and sixty-five cents from the lab. Right, literally, I, I paid a bill today for four dollars and sixty-five cents to like LabCorp. Stop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if you guys could just get together and put that put that all in one nice little package for everybody, that would probably help a lot. Yeah. But then that would involve working together and probably reading. Oh, that was going to be my rule number three, read. So that's rule number four is read. Okay. So don't be a dick. We have lots of rules. (laughs) Right. Well, we only had one before, but don't be a dick. Exercise personal responsibility. Question everything. Read. Mm -hmm. Read. I feel like I need to write these down. Read. Mm -hmm. Is that the end of our healthcare bitching? I had something else I was going to say. I can't remember. What was I going to say? Reading and, and whatnot. Um, is it time to let's talk about it? Yes. Let's talk okay. about it. So did you have tacos tonight? I did not. Yeah. Did I had them on Taco Tuesday. Week? Okay. Yes. I had them on Taco Tuesday. Where did you have them from? From my kitchen. Mm. They were so good. I made the flour tortillas again because I've decided I like the flour better than the corn. Mm. Mm, I do. I mean, I'll eat a corn tortilla, but I like the flour better. I just, I don't know. Anyway, so, and I don't have gluten issues, and so therefore I'm going to eat the flour ones. So I made them, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So I had my tortillas, 
And I took a pork shoulder and mm. used a recipe from skinnytaste.com, which if you listen to the food blog episode, um, you'll know is one of the food blogs that do not irritate the ever-living daylights out of me. Mm. So skinnytaste.com has a recipe for um, slow cooker pork corn- carnitas. Uh-huh. So I didn't have all the seasonings she had, and I can't find them in the store here, like things like Sazon and or saison i'm not sure how you say that and then there's another one so what i did was i salt and peppered it browned it in the pan in the skillet and then i put it then i after it was browned then i put some cumin and oregano and paprika and a little bit of cinnamon and i put it in the crock pot with some bay leaves because that was part of her recipe and i added some red pepper flakes and then the um some beef broth low sodium beef broth and i let it cook till you know for like eight hours or however long it's supposed to cook until it shredded to pieces and it was amazing it tasted so good and we have um leftovers and i can't wait to eat them and then so i put them in the flour i put the pork in the flour tortilla with um just some onion just some Yellow onion. But no soap leaves. No soap leaves. I didn't even do any, like, avocado or anything. And it was it was really good. They were delicious. You need to send me that recipe. So I've, I've done, yeah. like, um, I'm going to put, like, a um, pork shoulder in the crock pot and use that, like, and use the, for the leftovers, like, seasoned it differently. Like, put it in a bowl. Anyway, and, like, shredded it. But... Haven't done that in a while. Yeah, Sam Sam took some of the some of it and like made him like a breakfast omelet or breakfast burrito Ooh. or whatever with it with That's the extra um, tortillas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was really good. It turned out really good. The cinnamon was kind of a um, uh, an experiment, but it turned out really good. Like there's just a a hint of the cinnamon, but there's no sweetness to it. There's no yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It adds like another depth the flavor but Mm. anyway it was amazing and delicious and so my tacos were very good and i give myself five out of five stars tacos for you tacos (laughs) five out of five tacos on the five point liquor taco scale um well i didn't have tacos tonight i had tacos saturday but tonight and my back was hurting so i was not used to being like on my feet this long but Mm -hmm. so i was like okay so because I was trying to like not have any, like no sugar, no grains, and very little dairy um, this week. Well, that's what I've been trying to do for a couple of weeks. Well, I was like, okay, well, let me stick to that for six nights a week. Well, then Monday night, I went to Chandler's to, and we hung out, watched a movie, and he fixed fajitas and had corn tortillas for that, um, and blue corn tortilla chips which are like one of my weaknesses and like six different kinds of dip he just like set them all on the table and, like, eh. and so after a few minutes i was like i have to, i have to go sit in the living room I, I can't be in the same room as the chips and dip um because there was queso there was like there was guacamole there were two or three kinds of salsa and there was like french onion dip which like took me back to high school you know because um, i hadn't had that in a long time. Oh, and spinach artichoke dip, something like that. Or spinach dip, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I had my grains Monday night. So I decided to do like a, like a 
bowl like chipotle kind of but as i use cauliflower rice well then i was out running errands tonight and i got plantain chips so i had like my taco bowl thing but i had it on a plate um it's cauliflower rice uh ground beef black beans um and some salsa and soap leaves on top because i needed some green <laughs> i was trying to i tried to find pico with the store but i couldn't find any and the salsa is the Joe T. Garcia salsa, which is really good. And then I got plantain chips, which were kind of overpriced considering how many chips were actually in the bag, you know? Right. Um, but plantain chips that were done with um, just salt and coconut oil. It's the only thing in there. And I got a thing of some queso. The brand was like Kylitos, like, like little Kyle, like K-Y-L-I-T-O. <laughs> Um, it's some Texas brand, I think. It had a little Texas thing on it. Um, so I got that, and I got some chorizo. And so on the side, I had my plantain chips topped with the queso, topped with chorizo that I cooked. And then I had an avocado on the side. So it was good. But my parents came to visit this past weekend, and I took them to Los Mocajetes Saturday night, and they loved it. So I got my brisket taco fix that night, too. So, yeah. Um, that was like the bet my re- apparently my best restaurant choice for them when they visited. So, and I <gasps> well, when we were good. there, I saw a sign that said they serve breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays. I had no mm. idea. I probably don't need to know that. But. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I'm gonna give Los Mocajetes um, five tacos. Uh, they bumped, bumped up, yeah. Bumped up. Five tacos sure. and the five-point liquor taco scale. And I'm going to give my dinner 4.5 because I kind of wish with the chips, like, it would have been better if I had just bought plantains and made tortillas instead of, yeah. yeah. Because the chips Those in that are bag. so good. The, the chips in the bag, it was like, they're so crumbly. So yeah. it's better when I do them. But I wasn't I don't going think... to that energy, to that um yeah, yeah I don't think I've made the plantain chips for nachos since that time you came to Florida to see me. I think the first oh, yeah. time. And I don't think I've made them since then, but those they're so good. Yeah. And, and, and when you make nachos easy. with them and stuff. They're easy. Yeah. Just take some time. But I know I've done it once since I moved here. But, yeah. But it's good. So what was the most annoying part of your week? Where, you know, oh, wait. I have to talk about my tequila. Oh, your tequila. Oh, that's right. I have new tequila, too. I have some El Padrino. I feel oh, like yeah, you've had that before. Yeah, I almost yeah. bought that tonight. Yeah, from Total Wine. So Sam got it. I was going to drink my Casa Agave because that's what I have here. But he went to Total Wine because his um, Andy Gator keg was in. And oh. Andy Gator is, you know, life, apparently. So. <laughs> Andy Gator always makes so me think that. Yeah. Well, I so side note here. We went to, I, I think I told you this already, we went to that restaurant, and it was so loud. It was unbelievably loud <laughs> in there. You couldn't hear yourself think. And Sam ordered an Andy Gator. 15 minutes, like, no Andy Gator. And another waitress came by with a bowl of fried alligator, and she's like, you guys have the alligator? And we were like, mm, no, no, we don't, we don't eat that. Nope. And she's like, hmm. And so then our waiter comes by and he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. And it was for another table, blah, 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 blah. Still, no Andy Gator. And it took me a minute. I was like, 
Oh my goodness. It's so loud in here. I was like, Sam, he thought you said alligator, not Andy Gator. And when he came back, sure enough, that is exactly what mm-hmm. happened. It was that if your restaurant is so loud that you think people are saying alligator instead of Andy Gator, you need to turn the music down. I mean, granted, those words are very close. I will give you that. But still, yeah. turn the music down. So anyway, he went to go get his Andy Gator, his keg of Andy Gator, and he picked up this El Padrino. Mm-hmm. And yay ho. That's pretty good. This this glass that I have right here, I put a little bit too much lime. It's a little yeah. bit tart, but it's not the tequila's fault. It's my fault. Um, but yeah, it was good. I drank a little bit of it by itself mm-hmm. without any lime in it. Yeah. And hmm. yeah. I yeah, I got that. Oh, I think I got that um, the week of Cinco de Mayo because they had it on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. one of the ones they had on sale. And then I also had, so it was on sale, and then I had, like, a $5 reward for Total Wine. And so it ended up, like, mm-hmm. only being a couple dollars more than my Lunazul that I usually get. Right. Yeah. But I am drinking the Casagave tonight. So, because you had bought the Lunazul on my recommendation, so you recommended this. And I was standing there in the tequila aisle trying to think of something new to try. So I got that. And, yeah, it's pretty good. But when you visit, we're going to try that. Tequila 512 or whatever. It's like... Something about volcanic water. Yeah, volcano water. And it's like... It's it's made in Mexico like tequila is. But then it's it's, it's an Austin-based company. I don't know. Won some awards at something in San Francisco. It, it was a dollar more than the Casa Gave. Okay. Most annoying part of your week. Because the other two things I was going to say related to tequila and something you said earlier are going to be tied to the best part of my week. So, most annoying part of your week. Go. Having to go to work when I'm not supposed to go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, That was the most annoying part of my week, that I had Mm -hmm. to make arrangements to... I mean, because I'm not supposed to go... I mean, I'm I'm working, but I'm not supposed to go in. And so, therefore, my... I don't know. It just was very inconvenient, because at any point, I can be out of town. Like, at any time, if Sam goes out of town, guess who's going out of town? Me and the kid? With him? Why am I going to stay here? So, anyway, three meetings. Three. How? How is that possible? And just some other work that had to be done that, I don't know, just stupid stuff that prevented me from doing stuff I really wanted to do. So, it was really annoying Mm because there are other things I want to do. It's summer. It's summertime. And I have summer brain and I don't want to work. So that was the most annoying part of my week. Also, also one other one other small thing is a bad driver. Um, shocking. If, huh? It's a shocking. Shocking, right? Right. If I have a stop sign, me, there's one stop sign and I have it. Don't stop to let me out. You're not being nice. You're being an idiot. I need you to drive and follow the rules so that I can drive. You stopping to let me out only holds up traffic, which means the next person can't get out. Just keep freaking driving. It's one stop sign. It's mine. I get to determine when I go. Stop it. Anyway, that's the annoying part of my week. People could make a drinking game, like drink every time you say stop it. (laughs) Do you want to say that? Yeah. I think I texted a lot, but. (laughs) Just stop. Stop it. (laughs) 
<laughs> what did Sam? Oh my goodness! I wish I could remember. What did he send? He sent me something. I was like, "Stop it!" He's like, "Well, I didn't do it." <laughs> what? You know what I mean? Quit. They can drink anytime you anyway. say stop, and anytime I cackle, um, <laughs> or anytime I say so don't be a dick. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. No, like yesterday was stupid day and annoying. Um, but I don't want to go into all the reasons for that. Okay. So one kind of annoying thing. Okay. So I go to this hot yoga place for hot Pilates, which I love. I don't love their version of hot yoga. Um, but they had, it's supposed to be a more gentle yoga class and it lists like three different varieties that it might be. Well, it didn't say anything about needing any kind of props or anything. Mm-hmm. So I get there and I almost took my blocks with me and I didn't. Well, it turns out I did not need those. Well, everybody has these wheel things, which I've never seen in yoga. Um, so I go set up my mat and I go back out to the desk and I ask the girl, I was like, do I need a prop? And she's like, oh yeah, wheel. And I was like, okay, so there's one there. She's like, yeah, she's like, you can rent one for $5. Okay, so for the Pilates class, occasionally they have, uh, so they, she started having us use dumbbells for that. Mm-hmm. But they provide all the dumbbells. Like we don't right. have to pay, we don't have to rent them. So I had to pay mm-hmm. $5 to rent this wheel, which was fine, but it's not communicated anywhere on the app. Right. Like, and so I was super annoyed about that. Um, well, then the instructor, because there are a few new people, she said, okay, she's like, you know, the class on the app, it says this. It's like, just know if I'm listed as the instructor, it's going to be a wheel class. If so-and-so is listed, it's going to be a yin yoga class. And she said, but sometimes we have to have some flexibility because, you know, if one of us, um, if there's traffic or something and one of us can't get there, then another one might take over. It's like, all right. So, so I was super annoyed about that. I was like, there needs to be communication about this. And she was like, you, or you can buy one for $40, but we have them like 30% off right now. But then I ended up really enjoying the class. Like it was just what, like I could tell it was really good for my neck and the neck issues I've been having. Mm-hmm. And it turns out I was really good mm-hmm. at it. <laughs> and that after this, she nice. was like, is this your first time? I was like, yeah. She's like, you did such a good job. I was like, thanks. And uh, <laughs> it's my inner gifted kid approval seeking side. It's like, yay, I did a good job. Something <laughs> new. So it was annoying, but then it got better. But so anyways, what was the best part of your week? Let's see what's today. Today is, today is Thursday. Did I do anything? No, I just went to meetings all week. Uh, the best. Okay. So the best part mm-hmm. of my week was... Since I had to drive to make this commute. So I'm not supposed to work in the summer. So I therefore do not have to make the commute. Mm -hmm. But when I'm home in the summer with my kid, I don't get to listen to my crime crap podcasts. Because they are inappropriate for children. Mm. And they are truly explicit. But today, since I had to go to work, even though the last two days even though it was annoying that I had to go there I did have some alone time in the car that I got to listen to my murder podcasts and it did make me very happy it was like ah a fix all the evil people (laughs) killing people 
<laughs> anyway. Um, yes, I am not a weirdo because I like crime crap. There are plenty of us out there. I know. There's plenty of y'all. But anyway, so that made me happy. And I think that was the best part of my week so far is that I got to listen to that for essentially four and a half hours. Not cons- not straight, but, mm-hmm. you know, total. That's a lot of time to be listening to crime stuff. But Oh, it makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> what is this ESPN news alert? Oh, something I don't care about. I, would not I don't. Know. So I don't know how ESPN decides what alerts to send me because I thought I was just getting them on my teams and Chandler's teams. But now it's sending me something about the Chicago Cubs, and I don't give a rat's ass about the Chicago Cubs. But um, anyway. So, well, the best part of my week was I finally got a little vacation. So the day after we were last recorded, uh, Chandler and I went to Austin uh, for a couple of days. And um, he did not get on my nerves once. Well, that is <laughs> I an mean, accomplishment. sitting in traffic on the way to Austin. Um even when he got super stressed out and annoyed our last morning, we were trying to find a place to get breakfast. And, you know, I ended up uh, with swamp ass from walking all over downtown Austin um, at noon, uh, trying to find a place where we could still get breakfast. Um, wasn't annoyed. His driving didn't stress me out at all. We went kayaking. Um and okay, so earlier when you were talking about um, patients, like er, people not understanding when you say left or right, mm-hmm. I thought of this when we were kayaking. But um, like if you that. if you want to turn to the left, you row on the right side or paddle whatever right. on the right side. Right, right. And so he was because they're like stronger paddler in the back, and I was like, oh well, that's you. Uh, he like oh, I don't know about that, and because. Um, he said he'd gone kayaking. I don't know if he's been more than once, but the last time was with his son, which obviously was going to be more of a challenge, like because he's like eleven. Every time, like he would, he would say a direction, and I wasn't sure. I was like, "Wait, paddle or like go that way?" So he would say, "Right, <laughs> right." I didn't know if I was supposed to be paddling on the right or going to the right. So it took me a while to figure out, and then so we went like. I guess 45 minutes kind of one way. And then we came back and we passed, uh, people were like stand up paddle boarding too. And we passed this group of girls, like like college age girls. And then one of the girls was like, wow, y'all are in unison. And he was like, it took some time. <laughs> like, it took us to get, get our group. Because I kept like thinking he's a stronger paddler. I kept trying to like look over my shoulder to see which way he's paddling. And that wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So eventually like he told me, he's like, okay, he's like, I'm just following your lead and I was like okay that makes more sense than me trying to look over my shoulder <laughs> to see right. what way you're paddling right. so uh, we run um, over the waterfall right yeah we, we we turned around when we got to the dam and what's the oh and I got a stupid sunburn I've had SPF 30 on my legs when you're kayaking so like knees down we're like under the thing within the kayak so mm-hmm. it's just my, my thighs the tops of my thighs well, and from the paddle, I have like a line, a white line in the middle of the sunburn. <laughs> and then because my, the way I was holding the paddle, 
and I didn't put sunscreen on my hands. So, and it's faded now, thank God, because it looks ridiculous. <laughs> um, from like the middle knuckle or whatever, down the rest mm-hmm. of my hand was sunburned, but then my fingertips, like the, the, that part of my finger was still oh white. My <laughs> oh my goodness. And we went out to like a really nice dinner that night. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm glad I wore my cute, like, short outfit last night. Because clearly I'm wearing a maxi dress tonight to hide my legs. But then, so we went we went to Vince Young Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a reservation. We had to wait a few minutes. Anyway, we, we were there, like, three hours. And so we, he ordered Bullet, I think. And I, I got Casamigos. So I'm like, I'm in a nice place. I'm going to get... Some of the better tequila. So I got Casamigos there. Well, then we went to a bar because you know, Austin's known for live music. And I uh, went to a bar and I got some, some, it was like called Z, some tequila not heard of, but that was like their only non Blanco option. Um, um, it was okay. Well, then we ended up with this other, this like kind of dive bar kind of thing. It was in a hostel. And, um, mm-hmm. He went up to the bar to get my drink, and he came back, and he brought it to me, and it was good. He was like, can you guess what tequila this is? I'm like, I don't know. And it was Lunazole. That's what he got. Oh. It was, I was like, this is the best tequila I've had all night, and it's my standard go-to, what I drink <laughs> at home. All the time. So for Father's Day weekend, we went camping, and I forgot all of the tequila at home. Yes. So could yeah, you? I know. I thought I thought to myself, don't forget that because Sam was already there because he was doing his um, military stuff. So he was already gone, and we were just gonna meet him out there. And so I was like, okay, don't forget that. And then of course something distracted me, probably a dog. And then I was like, okay, kid, let's not forget your snacks. And then something distracted me probably the kid and so we forgot snacks and tequila so two very important things that we did not have sam found a store and so the only thing he could find was don julio blanco which as you know from previous episodes is an acceptable blanco avion um, blanco is acceptable too i had that the other night and I, was I, like, know, okay, I can drink I don't this know if I, I probably had that in a margarita or something at a restaurant i'm sure and I'm, I'm sure i have but i don't know if i've ever had it alone um, so I had that, and so the people who were camping across from us, <sighs> Sam doesn't meet a stranger, okay? He's going to talk right. to everybody, and it's not me. And he's like, hey, come over here. I'm like, oh, mm, you want me to come talk to strange people that I don't That's nice. Great. Like, why don't you love me? I don't understand. Yeah. So I go over there, and we talked to them for a minute, and then some somehow, so the place we were the camping, you know, they had, like, the swim-up bars and things like that, and you could get drinks, and they were asking me what I liked about that particular place versus another place, and Sam told them, he's like, yes, yeah, so just tell them why, you, you know, which, why you like the other place better than this place. He's like, Sam, I don't know these people. They're going to think I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're terrible people. What? What is it? And because my comment had something to do with the caliber of people at one place versus another. And I said, and also, um, this place doesn't have anything good that I like to drink. Like, there's, n- they say they had margaritas on their menu at the bars by the pools. But 
there were no tequila bottles anywhere. Mm. They had lots of rum. They had some gin. They had whiskey. And so, like, what kind of tequila do you put? Anyway, so obviously I did not get any kind of margaritas there because, ew. Maybe maybe it was a Sambuca margarita. What is a Sambuca margarita? (laughs) It was was an episode of Friends where, like, AJ was like, Sambuca margarita? (laughs) I was like, that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, what have I missed? Um, No, so we're talking to the people and I'm telling them, you know, that I do prefer the other place because they have a better selection of drink and I and they will just do what I like with tequila. And he's like, well, they go, well, what kind of tequila do you like? And I was like, Don Julio 1942. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, you like the good stuff. Okay, that's acceptable. <laughs> okay. You're making me feel very uncomfortable right now talking to strangers judging people and talking about my tequila taste but anyway i survived anyway i just thought it was funny because he was like um it's okay you can be a terrible person we're terrible people and i was like oh my god uh, well, I, anyway yeah. so i told chandler about what you said uh when i was at the pool and you asked if we could drink tequila at the pool and judge people and he was saying something we were in the car, I think, on the way to Austin. I said, maybe I should invite you to come sit at the pool and drink and judge people. He was like, well, I am a pretty judgy person. Like, <laughs> I can't remember what he was talking about. Uh, when my parents and I were at Los Mocajetes Saturday night, um, and I ordered Avion Blanco or Silver, whatever the bottle says, and it was pretty good. It's probably the best Blanco mm-hmm. that I've had. That um, was pretty good. Pretty good Blanco. And you know my opinions about Blanco. Yeah. Yeah. It is so loud. I am sorry for the squeaky chair and the scraping straw the against the metal. I heard the ice clanking, but I didn't hear the chair. I'm in a different room, so I feel like everything's like just echoing. Your headphones match your curtains. Oh. Kind of. I made these. They blend. I made, made these them? curtains. I did. I made them. Susie Homemaker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did. <sighs> it's going to be a long episode. It is. I just got a message that said, um, leaving the session in two minutes. Are you still here? I was like, yeah, well, we're still, we're still here. Because it took us a freaking hour just to get in. Oh, I just thought of another annoying part of my week, but I guess that's all right. When they changed Sam's schedule and interfered with the dates I had planned to come to see you. Oh, yeah. That's... That is very rude. Mm-hmm. Now what am I supposed to do? Can't come see you on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Who does that? Because nobody's at the pool to judge on a Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, no. Because they're at are... work. Like you. <laughs> there are people. <laughs> There are people there. Okay. Well. Just like there are people playing golf in the middle of the day on a weekday. I used to go see movies on a Wednesday, like at 11 in the morning, because everybody was at work and or school, and that was the best time to go see a movie and guarantee that you could get the seat that you wanted without some little turd throwing popcorn at your head. Anyway, I would take off work. I would take PTO time and be like, mm, time to go see a movie. 
those were the days. <sighs> Not really, because work was pretty sucky with crazy lady that I worked with. That's the story for another day. I'm sure there's much more that I have to say on healthcare, but it just didn't come together tonight like it was supposed to. I feel like it, I don't know, because I didn't put any preparation into it except for listening to that episode, that podcast from Hannah Cox. Uh, I felt like it mm-hmm. was much, it was much better than I expected. Well, there's much, there's a lot more to talk about and, and so much more depth to it, but I at least hope people know now that may not have known before that, you know, you can, you should advocate for yourself. That's the best thing you can do for your healthcare. <sighs> and don't take Big Mac bribes. But anyway. No. We don't know what we're talking about next time. So there is nothing to entice you to come back other than our lovely voices and your excitement over what tacos we will have. Yeah, I'm going to have to try those Fuel Study tacos. You know you live for our taco reviews. Well, and when you come visit, we're going to try that 512 whatever tequila. Mm-hmm. And one day when Sam's company stops changing his schedule. I, I feel like we need to do, I don't know how we could do a blind taco ta- ta- uh, tasting, but we could do a blind tequila tasting more more easily because you can't identify the tequila just by looking at it. The tacos... Yeah, like, I'm going to recognize the brisket tacos from Los Mocajetas. Um, well, unless we get some of those sleep masks and one at a time wear it. Obviously, we can't both wear it because we would totally, like, not get the taco to where our mouth was. That'd but be funny to get on video, though. That would be super <laughs> fun. We could try it because we're ridiculous. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, we need to do this. Yeah, so we could make our we can make a blind taco test tasting happen. That would be pretty funny. We and could we could do it. I saw, you know, um, as far as like sleep masks go, you can we can just use like our COVID use a COVID face mask and put it over your eyes, loop it over. Your eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Ugh, stupid mask. Yeah. Um. Yes, so that's something super exciting to look forward to. It yes. will happen at some point. I just, you know, have to. We can have video for that episode. Like, yeah, post like it on YouTube. Yeah, it could be an Instagram Live. Yeah. Or um, whatever it is that you're working on. WordPress. Yeah. Blog something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might just be able to post a video there, maybe. Yes, so yeah. essentially okay. all that to say... That's it for tonight. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Don't be a dick. (laughs) Bye.